doesn't matter where you go If it's a million miles away or just a mile up the road Take it in, take it with you when you go Who says you can't go home? Who says you can't go back? Been all around the world and as a matter of fact There's only one place left I wanna go Who says you can't go home? And you are listening to another episode of the old school red hill podcast we appreciate you listening if you could hit the subscribe button and uh, let our advertisers know what you think of this show we would really appreciate it on hand tonight with myself brian emmons is old number nine gary emmons how are you buddy uh, doing awesome how are you guys tonight that's good we got a great, great topic and chip jamerson who is a capital classic let's say aficionado I was for a while. It's I was thinking about that, and yeah, it's, it's November. It feels like it's starting to feel like the Capital Classic, and yeah, I look forward to yeah. For the first 10, 11, 12 years, I was there for a lot of the games, or at least a part of the games. That's great. But I would say in the last eighteen years, I've been to one Capital Classic game total. Yep. What years are we going to cover, Chip? We're going to start with the first with nineteen ninety, which was the first year of the. Capital Classic as we know it today. Uh, we're going to go 90 to 94, so we're going to cover five years in this episode. Some really good Red Hill teams involved in that and uh, some exciting Capital Classic games. We're recording this on uh, November 10th, but tomorrow, November 11th, uh, I'm going to interview uh, Terry Andrews, who was obviously very influential in oh, yeah. bringing the Capital Classic to Red Hill. So looking forward to that, and we'll plug that in before we release it on Friday, November 12th, uh, episode 36. Seven. We're excited. David King is still in the fields. He'll probably be with us on the next episode. So we miss having Dave on board. But Dave is almost done, it appears. He is, I think he finished the beans tonight, or he's finishing the beans tonight, nice. and just a little bit of corn left to go. So uh, congratulations. I know that's going to be exciting time when they finish up tomorrow. That bean uh, needs a break. That new bean platform, hard at work. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I know, I know the David King fans out there clamoring for another uh, appearance by Dave on the podcast. Yeah, I feel bad he couldn't be here for this one. Yeah, for Which, sure. Dave, Dave enjoyed the Capitol Classic an awful lot, of sitting right alongside you. Yes, yeah. And definitely some David King songs we're going to play. Before we get going, let's, uh, let's talk about our sponsors, and then we are going to jump right into the Capitol Classic 1990 through 1994. Oh, and talking 80s and 90s Red Hill sports, there's few establishments more old school than the Pizza House. Yeah. Now, ownership's changed hands over the years, but that same great recipe remains that, that you remember from back when the Goffs opened the place back in the 80s, and then the Lands eventually took over, and then uh, Beth Beth Land Jennings, then she um, reopened it after it was closed for a while, re reopened it in the 2000s, and then re in the, a couple years ago, sold it to Tyler Griffin, the current owner, yeah. and he's not only kept those same great recipes, he's brought in his own fresh ideas. Now, one thing I know, Brian, we talked about a lot is the pizza of the month. He's been doing this for over a year now. The fan favorite. This, I don't know if you guys have heard about this one yet, but this is the, the November pizza of the month is the barbecue bacon cheeseburger pizza. Ooh, oh, my. So it's kind Papa. of a Western style bacon cheeseburger. Let me kind of go through what's um, what this consists Please of. Please do. So it's going to be a barbecue base. So it's not going to be your typical 
red uh, red sauce or even like an Alfredo sauce. It's a barbecue base. Now, wait, I'm writing this down. So we got a barbecue base. Okay. All right. And, and people are, you're free to make this at home. Try this at home. We're going to give you the recipe. I guarantee you cannot get it to match that same great taste of what Tyler is going to give you there on Judy Avenue. Yep. We're going to top. So you got the barbecue base. We're going to add some hamburger, bacon, cheddar, and mozzarella cheese. Whoa. <laughs> and then they're going to top it off with some sliced pickles. You can't have a cheeseburger without pickles. No. And then we're going to drizzle it with more barbecue sauce. Now, that's available in two sizes, the 10-inch uh, for ten sixty nine or the 14-inch for sixteen eighty nine. So now Griffin's also offers hand-dipped ice creams year-round. Now, along with the traditional flavors, they're currently offering some fall flavors, s'mores and pumpkin pie. While supplies last, now you all know where it is, right across from the dog pound. And the hours are four to nine, Tuesday through Sunday. They are they're closed Monday, but don't let that closed Monday fool you. They if you follow them on Facebook, they often reserve Mondays for fundraisers, benefits, they'll do spaghetti dinners and things like that. So um Please uh, like their Facebook page. Keep up to date with the specials and any of these, the fundraisers and benefits and so forth they do on Mondays. The phone number is 618-945-FOOD. That is 618-945-3663. As I said, like their Facebook page to stay up to date with everything. And Griffin's Pizza House, a proud supporter of the Red Hill Salukis and this podcast. Great. Our next sponsor, of course, is People's State Bank. And let's face it, banking with a personal touch is what we all want. In the mega banking era of the 21st century, it's the mission of People's State Bank to provide growth and stability to all the communities that they serve. And with four locations in Lawrenceville, Sumner, St. Francisville, and Bridgeport, People's State Bank does just that. It is a true locally owned community bank whose earnings are redirected back into Lawrence County. Our fellow Saluki Stacy Moore and his team consider it a privilege to have served in the community banking for more than 140 years, and they pledge the same quality of service for many years to come. A true supporter of Red Hill Saluki athletics and activities, People's State Bank is here with a personal touch for all your financial needs. Don't forget, four locations, of course, in Sumner, Lawrenceville, St. Francisville, and Bridgeport. Already mentioned T-Bone, but do you want to simplify your insurance needs? Yes. Do you want one agency to handle all of your coverage so you and your family can sleep knowing they are protected? Yes. You can see the team at Andrews Insurance at 542 Main Street. How many years have they been there? Ooh, long time. Well, let's see. Dr. Martin. When, when did Dr. Martin move out? <laughs> that was nine, yeah. 91, 92 probably. It's pretty much the entire Capital Classic here. They've been that location. Yeah. yeah. Show tie-in. Terry Andrews and Justin Shear, your independent agents that work hard to make sure you have the coverage that's right for you. They have been part of the backbone of our community for years and have always been huge supporters of Red Hill activities. So give T-Bone or Juice a call at 945-2881 and let Andrews Insurance handle your farm, commercial, or personal insurance needs. Well, you know what? We're going to talk about the Capital Classic tonight, and I guarantee you this place was hopping after many a Capital Classic game that we're going to talk about. And you can go ask anybody within 100 miles of Bridgeport, Illinois, where the best catfish dinners are, and you know the answer you'll get. Gray's Restaurant. Restaurant. That is right. For 75 years, 
The Gray family Easy. has been serving hand-cut steaks, fantastic sandwiches, and, of course, those great catfish dinners to people for special occasions or just a quick bite so you don't have to cook that night. Todd, Becky, and the boys serve it to you with a friendly smile and service you don't just get anywhere. Watch the Facebook page for daily lunch specials, and if you can't dine in, call 945-9501 for carryout. And, of course, let the Gray family cook for your family today. All right, we are happy to have on the podcast a man that we have mentioned on several episodes, and uh, we thought when we did the Capital Classic episode, there was no better person to to interview about the origins on this, and, and I'm sure we'll have him on other episodes as we run through the oral history of the Red Hill Salukis, and that is Mr. Terry Andrews. How are you, my man? I'm doing good, Brian. How are you? Oh, great, great. We uh, we, we decided we're going to do on this episode uh, the Capital Classics 1990 through 94 and you're the man that we thought you, this was your brainchild, right? Well, you know, it actually started the 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 uh, the, the thoughts of it started in '88 with uh, Phil Osmond and Roger Cool and myself, and they actually started in 1989 because uh, in 1989 we were still playing in a holiday tournament in Paris. Right. Right. So we couldn't play in it that year, but uh, uh, we went ahead and started the uh, Capital Classic in uh, 1989. And then in 1990, like you said, uh, Red Hill joined it and brought uh, four teams uh, with it. We added, you know, of course, us and Martinsville and Edwards County and Marshall. Yeah. Some really good teams, too. Uh, looking through those games, especially those first couple of years, some really good teams came from that Bridgeport site. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, if you, if you uh, look at it, you know, uh, Red Hill won it in 90. They won it in 91. They won it in 92. <laughs> and that's all I've got in front of me. And then Phil Alsman, those guys were probably thinking, why the hell did we do this? We could have kept this at one site and let them play in Paris. Well, that's right. You know, <laughs> Phil's the one, and I don't know how they found out about the uh, uh, King Cotton right. tournament that's in Pine Bluff, Arkansas, but that's what he copied it out. Okay. See, you know, I, uh, I remembered this all wrong then. I thought that you and Eddie had gone down there and refereed, and that's how – That's a No. We had a guest speaker that would be on Saturday morning at the Elks. We would feed all the teams breakfast. Right. And we would have a guest speaker. Well, Phil had contacted Travis Creed, and Travis is still alive. He's uh, he was the director of King Cotton Sports. Mm -hmm. I picked him up at Evansville at the airport, brought him to the games. Uh, he spoke Saturday morning. Ed and I refereed the championship game that year. Okay, and then I took him back to the airport. All right. I was thinking that he was just being nice. You know, he said that we did a nice job and he kind of, Hey, would you ever come down to, uh, Arkansas and referee our tournament? Uh -huh. I said, well, yeah. You know, knowing that, you know, he's not, he's not going to call me. Right. Well, about a month later, he said, Hey, I'm getting ready for uh, next year. Why don't you bring your buddy and you guys come down? So oh, wow. we did, we went from 90 to, we went 10 years. Oh, oh 10 did years you really? Wow. Yep. Yep, we went 10 years. And and you had to have seen some fantastic players down there in that tournament. 
I think that, and I haven't kept much track, of course, because I haven't refereed since 07. Yeah. But at one time, there was 15 kids playing in the NBA that Ed and I had refereed as high schoolers. Wow. What what's that like when you're when you're refereeing, you know, primarily Southern Illinois basketball, and then you go down there, you got to get up and down the floor a little quicker. I'm I'm guessing. You know, you do. Uh, you got to look up uh, a little bit more because they do play above the rim. But you know, here in Southern Illinois, and you know, and it's the same way over in Indiana. You know, I don't care if it was a Friday night and we went to Sisman. Yeah. And you had the the running lions against the Dietrich moving maroon. <laughs> you know that gym would probably seat four hundred people, and they'd have five hundred people there. Yeah, and it was the biggest game in town that night. And right. you know you, that's you just took them like that and tried not to get in anybody's way. Yeah, there you go. Well, back to getting this started. So you mentioned the guys that were were instrumental. Was was. Was Lawrenceville? They were they just looking for a, a Thanksgiving tournament at the time, and the, and the timing just worked out right. And and then of course had to wait the year on Red Hill. Well, if you remember, Phil Osmond was the coach down at Parkview, right? And Phil had a lot of success, and he thought, you know, we can do this. Uh, we've got you know two great schools in the county. We got the Chamber of uh, Commerce uh, involved in it to promote Lawrence County. And so, the, like I said, the first year, it was Phil, Roger Cool, myself, and then Sharon Gillespie. Right. Sharon was the executive director of the chamber. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's who started, you know, calling out for uh, sponsorships, you know, with the names on the T-shirts when we would hang the banners from the ceiling. And it was just to uh, promote our county. That's great. And there was a lot of, uh, a, a lot of involvement with with because they had host families right where kids yes, actually sir. spent the night yes sir and and you know and then we had honorary coaches that would sit at the end of the team's bench and you know you were supposed to root for uh that team yeah. even if they were really? playing uh you know red hill interesting i didn't I, that Clifford gray i was i was looking in in here and in one of my old programs, and I think Clifford Gray and somebody else were our uh, honorary coaches. Is that right? That's great. Yep. That's great. And do you, the first year that it was a combined tournament, um, yes. that, I mean, that had to take, that, that's a lot of coordination. I mean, it, it may seem simple that you just roll the balls out and go, but a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff, and, and I know – catch you you're reading some articles tons of advertising sales and this that was a really a year-long process wasn't it that was the chamber's uh job you know because like like even today it is the second largest fundraiser for the chamber of commerce still today still today the yeah. only thing that beats it is the uh fall festival wow but yeah i mean you know you know uh that was their job you know, we've been doing this for about three or four years. And then, uh, like you said earlier, Eddie Gardner uh, joined. And Eddie and I were kind of instrumental in going out and uh, getting the team, mm-hmm. you know, because of refereeing. You know, we might, hey, what are you doing next Thanksgiving? Yeah. We got to well, so do we. Uh-huh. And, you know, it just kind of grew from there. Yeah. How, how did Providence, Kentucky make their way? <laughs> we were... <laughs> 
<laughs> I think we had one of those brain, yeah, whatever, yeah. and we needed a team and somebody of a sister knew a guy in Providence, Kentucky, was looking for somewhere to play, and uh, we needed an eight team. Yeah, and they were here, and, and we actually, Gary and Chip and I actually recorded the, the episode where we went through each tournament last night, and a question came <laughs> up. When, uh, I believe it was 94 Red Hill was was wasn't going to be as strong as they had been. I think they only won three or four games all year, and that uh-huh. was the year Providence moved from Lawrenceville to Bridgeport. And we had the question: Was that on purpose? <laughs> you know, I've been asked over the years: How do you pick what side a team's going on? You know, we always tried to keep you know Lawrenceville's head coach involved, yeah. Red Hills. You know. You know, we would ask Fred, hey, is there anybody that you don't want to play? Right. Is there any? And, of course, Fred would – Fred's comment was always, I don't care who I play. Right, yeah. I don't know. I've slept too many times since then. I don't know how Providence uh, ended up over there. I'm, I'm going to blame it on uh, Roger Cool. So, well, uh, yeah, well, we, we theorized that it was maybe to, to give Red Hill a chance to win one and also say, Providence, you've been coming here for five years now and you haven't won a game. Let's, let's give you a chance as well. Yeah, that's right. Hey, That's right. Talking about Fred, we had him on, I believe it was last February. He actually came over to Country Oaks in our studio, and, and we had a, just a great time running down through his entire career. And uh, it, it was funny reading some of these the newspaper articles. Um, I mean, he, he flat out said, which you got to love about Fred, especially back then, he just told you what he thought right in the newspaper. Yep. And uh, he said, we knew right off the bat Martinsville couldn't play with us because they went zone. And, uh, and they wouldn't match, wouldn't even try to match up with us, which I th- thought was fantastic. You probably watched as many Fred Kendall basketball games as anyone did. Can you just talk about what you thought of him as a coach? You know, you knew what you were going to get. Uh, I never got to referee Fred, of course. Yeah. But, you know, he wasn't a whiner. Uh, he coached the game. Of course, he was a heck of a player. Yeah. And, you know, you knew that whenever you were going to play a Fred Kendall team, and I heard a lot of coaches say this, you weren't going to out-hustle them. You weren't going to out-work him. Mm-hmm. You know, they were going to play good defense, and they just weren't going to make a lot of mistakes. It, it's amazing when you look at that run, the size that Red Hill had at that time. We talked to Gary Wilsey. Uh, we one one show last winter we called him, I forget what exactly we were talking about. We were, oh, we were talking about great teams or, or whatever anyway. And he said he, the year, one of the years he coached, he said, you you can't even believe how big we were. And, and Red Hill was blessed with some not only great players, but real big teams back there in the early 90s. Yeah, because Gary would have been coaching uh, at Tolono. He right. was the assistant coach up there. Yep. And, you know, they had a heck of a coach. Yeah, we were, and, and, and that's when they brought Brian Cardinal down and, and, uh, and had, a, had a, probably the first big name that, you know, the, the Capital Classic had in Cardinal, who went on to have a great career at college and, and shockingly in the NBA. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't want you to ever ask anybody uh, my opinion of uh, Brian. He's such a nice young man at the time, and I made the comment, you know, very openly that, Brian, there's no way he can play at Purdue. He's just not going to – he's just not tough enough. Yeah. And I know for a fact he could never play right. in the NBA. 
I, I don't, 40, 50 million dollars later. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that I, shows how much I know about that. Well, and I think there's a lot of people, including yours truly, right there with you because I would have said the exact the exact same thing. But who thinking about some of those teams, Holloway, Stevens, McCullough, about Brandon, about some of those players that, that you watched all those years? You know, it was just a very unique time for uh, Red Hill basketball. You know, those kids started playing – you know, we didn't have AAU or we didn't have any of that stuff back then. But, you know, they played all summer long and, you know, they just got better. They got stronger. They uh, took it serious. You know, they always gave 100%. They weren't whiners. They didn't have mommy and daddy stand up there whining for them. If, uh, you know, things didn't go their way. Yeah. That's why they're so darn good. You were we've we've mentioned you a few times um, before we we'll get off the Capital Classic for just a second before we wrap up. But um, watching basketball, referee in basketball, PA announcer for the football team. What's your what's been your favorite role um, around high school sports? Well, you know, I started refereeing in 1974. Is that right? I, I can remember my first game like it was yesterday. It was in the I graduated in the spring, and in the fall of 74, Roy Dillard was going to Mount Carmel to referee at St. Mary's, the Catholic school. And he called me, and he said, hey, I hear you got your license. I said, Roy, I've never worked a game. And we went down to Mount Carmel, and we worked on a Saturday afternoon for Bud Brown. Bud was the basketball coach there. Oh God, that's we amazing. went in, and we took the tables and chairs down from the cafeteria. We played basketball game. We helped him put the tables and chairs back up, <laughs> and they handed us ten dollars. Wow! <laughs> and you were happy to have it. Well, I was, I was, I was uh, uh, tickled to death. Yeah. But no, you know, from doing that, and then you know, I don't, you know, it's just I've got a lot of memories. You know, uh, I'm sure they're about ready for the old guy to get out of there. But you know, I started uh, announcing football up there in the fall of '74. Wow. That's when the booth was on the west side of the field. And, of course, you know, Juice will say, what? And, yeah, yeah I've got a picture showing it where the press box used to be on the west side of the field, oh, not wow. where it's at. Yeah, that's great. But, you know, to uh, – I mean, I'd be silly enough to say of all that, my fondest memory, of course, was, you know, working the King Cotton, uh, doing the state finals uh, three times. We got to work them uh, there. And – uh Red Hill's been very good to me, uh, and it's home. Yeah. Well, and you've been very good to Red Hill, and, and we appreciate you've been – you and Juice have been a, a sponsor of this podcast since the very beginning. So uh, personal, commercial, farm, any of your insurance needs, see Andrew's insurance. Those guys will take care of you. And I definitely – and I'd like to do this in person sometime. We can get Chip, uh, get Chip down here and get Mook to come up and actually sit down face-to-face and just run through – from from your outstanding golfing career at uh, at Bridgeport and Red Hill all the way through today and find out all the because I know you've got tons of stories. You know, I should have said when I was asking your favorite thing about Red Hill Sports, I should have honestly talked about another sponsor having beers at Gray's discussing Red Hill Sports. That might be your that might be the the most fun you've had. Every Friday night, <laughs> we would hold court out at Todd Gray's. There you go. Well, hey, and the Capital Classic used to start on Thursday night out there because we'd have to slice the 
the lunch meet for Friday's lunch. <laughs> and which which could have ended at ten and ended at two. Yeah. Yeah, I got you. But yeah. listen, we definitely would maybe sometime this winter when, when everybody slows down, let's get you over and, and uh we can do exactly that, have a cold beer and, and, and talk about your, your history with Red Hill. I'll be there. All right, buddy. Hey, thanks a lot for being on the show. All right. Talk to you later. All right, bum. Later. And to lead us off with, I believe, 1990 is Mr. Chip Jamerson. Yes, 1990. This was my senior year at Red Hill, and it was the first year for the, that Red Hill was in the Capital Classic. It was a four-team tournament the prior year, so this is the second year overall, and then they've expanded it to eight now. So it's in those familiar two – as every Capital Classic has been, the two days following Thanksgiving. And the teams in this year's tournament are Casey Westfield, Mount Carmel, Providence, Kentucky is going to come up for the tournament. I think they were in the original, so they're up for their second year. And um, and Lawrenceville will be in that bracket. Then over at Red Hill, playing with Marshall, Martinsville, Edwards County, and Red Hill. The familiar times you play a Saturday morning game, Saturday or Friday morning game, Friday evening game. Saturday morning, then the championship on Saturday night. It has changed a little bit. Yeah, I was going to say, I think one of the biggest things with this is that why coaches love this tournament is because you're guaranteed three games. I mean, yeah. it's different now. I'm talking back when it first started. Yeah. You're guaranteed three games, and you want to what a great look you can get at your team in a pretty short period of time. How's it different? Because, I, how's it different now? I don't even know. You get four games now, so even there's like a, oh. a seventh and eighth place game oh, now. Oh, okay. Whereas Okay. It was before. If you didn't make the semifinals of the championship, those four teams went home after after Saturday afternoon's contest. Oh, that's good. So now you're guaranteed four games against good competition. Um, I mean, you're going to have your teams that aren't always great in the tournament, but there's always um, been some really great, you know, teams that would go on to win regionals and so forth, and and even further than that in this tournament. So um, now there's a lot. These are the early. This is the first year it's been expanded to eight, where you're playing the two sites, Red Hill and Lawrenceville. What a great format. And, a lot was going on. I'm sure uh, T-Bone will get into this tomorrow, but um, I don't think they do as much of this anymore. At least you don't hear about it. We had a, there was a brunch over at the Holiday Inn on um, at 9 a.m., I believe on the Saturday. And there was even a featured speaker. Dennis Campbell came down from WTWO to uh, speak to all the players, coaches, and cheerleaders. And, you know, the big Buckos fan from up there and uh, one of the biggest Pirates fans I was ever um, – it, um, aware of and never didn't know him personally, but um, and then there was a coach's party at nine o'clock at the Elks on the 23rd, so that would have been uh Friday night. There's a Friday night coach's party at the Elks, so and then a lot of other things go on, of course. All the um, the cheerleader spirit award, and they give the MVPs and the all tournament team, which we'll get into a little bit. There was a Jerry Tarkanian signed basketball that you could enter a drawing for. Um, I'm sure I entered that drawing on the um, <laughs> when we were over there on that Saturday night. Um, but a lot was going on. And I know it was a big deal. Teams would like be would like stay like at the holiday inn and have the host families and things like that. I don't, do you think Gary, do they do as, I don't think they do as much It's more localized. I think they don't, they're not playing teams from. Yeah. I mean, I think, I mean, basically it had turned into almost the old NEC tournament as of recently, yeah. but yeah. I mean, I, I think that there were still, or there still is people that host, you know, so the players have somewhere to go in between. Right, when you have that Friday, sessions. you have that in between. I know the Evanses were always – I can't remember which team they always hosted, but um, – I know uh, the Marshall, Heaths. I believe. Marshall, I was, that was what I was getting ready to say. I so. know the Heaths um, – the uh, 
Tom and Elaine, Neil's parents, they hosted a team. Because I remember they had a bunch of cots set out in the basement, okay. you know, and, and so, I mean, they were staying all night and everything. Talking about that, we kind of joked this week, how high of hopes did you have for Providence, Kentucky, when they were coming into the tournament? Well, I mean, you think Kentucky. I mean, you think Kentucky, it's a hotbed of basketball. You assume they're coming, they're traveling this far. They're coming here to win some ball games is what they come to do. And I don't think Providence – I think Providence went 0-15 in their, over their span. Yeah, I don't think of, they Looks like five – I guess five years at the Capitol Classic. But uh, never won a game, and I, I did have high hopes. When they improved, it seemed like, through the end, we think they might get one this year. They had some close games, but – um, I guess these five, oh, I think they were there the year before. So there are like at least four of these years we'll talk about tonight. Um, Providence was part of it. And I don't think they're going to win any games tonight as we go through this. So that's just a little bit of, we won't have to do this for every single year, but just to our listeners that sometimes I take for granted how much people I, cause I just feel like capital classic is just a big part of my life. It just seems like so simple, but not everyone follows the capital classic as much as we do. So um or as much as we did, I honestly don't follow it as much as I used to. But um, and that is, yeah, Gary's. I think six of the old eighty NEC teams are are in it today. But let's yeah. let's go back 30, 31 years. Let's oh, go back Lord. to the nineteen ninety tournament. Wait a minute, nineteen ninety was thirty one years ago. Oh, yes, man. it was. So the Capital Classic has been uh, around a long time. It, it does seem like yesterday I clearly remember being at these games. So um, we're going to mainly, I'm going to mainly, at least in my portion, I'm going to mainly focus on Red Hill. I'm not going to get into a lot of the other games. I might update a, a score here or there and who played in the chat, who played in some certain games. But I, I will not, say not, one, one thing that we are going to talk about, like we always do, we kind of intertwine music into this. We could make a Capital Classic 90 through 94 album that would be an amazing <laughs> amazing yes. listen what a group of music we've got except for a yeah. couple of clunkers that i've got 91 that were in the top 10 it uh <laughs> it is a great set of music so 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 red hill comes into this they had lost the first game of the year and, and we have if you go back and listen to the 90 91 podcast i think gary covered that basketball season so we have talked a little bit about this at this tournament before um on that so we lost our opener to flora I went back and read that article again. I know Coach Kendall was talking about um, the emergence of sophomore D Holloway and how well he played in that Florida game, came off the bench, and would probably be starting in the Capital Classic. We started five seniors at Flora, um, Holtz, Allen, Smith, Andrews, and Hayes. Uh, the five seniors on the team all started. But looking at the Capital Classic, the starting five um, – stayed the same. I think it stayed the same all year long. I don't know if there was an occasional start by Holloway or Waller, but it was pretty much those five seniors. It was definitely through this tournament, I think, all year long. So um, Holloway, Waller continued to uh, come off the bench along with Matt McCullough and some others in some of the blowouts. So we opened up the tournament against Marshall and um, got our first win of the year. So a 71-51 win. I'll just kind of go over a couple of quotes. I, like I always like the Coach Kendall quotes. He says it was two totally different teams um, compared to how they played three to three, eight, three days earlier at Flora. Um, the bottom line is you can't compare us on defense and they can't compare us on offense. Um, they're not the caliber of team that Flora was, but Marshall's not a bad team. We did things we've been working all year in practice. So they're getting, they're starting to play the way coach Kendall expected in that 20 point win over Mount Carmel. Um, there was, this is the kind of scoring we like to see five guys with 10 points. I mean, that, uh, wow. that's oh, the wow. balanced attack. So Brandon Smith, Mike Hayes, 
Eric Holtz, Gene Allen, and D. Holloway all scored 10 points. So, we, um, we talked about another team that did that yeah, on, on one of the podcasts. Yeah, the T-Town girls basketball. <laughs> that's how they would score in those games. I mean, they didn't have people scoring big numbers, but that balanced attack. Um, so very happy with how we opened the Capital Classic. Uh, Coach Kinlan talks about our outside shooting fields. We got four good outside shooters, five if you count Brandon, who did who was an excellent three point shooter, but it wasn't. They didn't. Um, that wasn't part of his game that was utilized as much as it was with say Gene Allen. Um, but talked about, and this was in the early three pointer had only been around. It's only the fourth year of the three pointer in high school basketball, so we're still trying to figure out how how it's going to be used to our advantage. And he feels with this team, it's going to be a big part of the offense with the shooters on the team. So that Friday game, Red Hills got off to a 1-0 start in the tournament. And then they came back Friday night to play the other Lions team, the Edwards County Lions. And it was another big win. Won this one by 17, 77-60. And Gene Allen, the big scorer tonight with 20 points. And, of course, four three-pointers. I'm sure there was lots of high tens being given in the uh, crowd that every time Gino hit from deep through, there was a lot of them all season long from Gino. That was um, his kind of specialty. Um, He was more of kind of, I don't know, like a four, a three or a four as a, as a, as a um, youth basketball player. But then um, never grew a lot. So became more of a shooting guard and the three point line came in as freshman year. It was perfect for his game. And um, Gino still wasn't fully recovered from an ankle injury suffered during football season either. So we're not even seeing the best from Gino. So you can hear more about that 1990 football season on that same podcast I uh, spoke of earlier. Gene was eight from 11 from the field. Brandon was nine to 12. So um, 17 out of 23 between those two combined for 39 points. And we did hit eight three-pointers in the day. Of course, Gino had the four. Uh, Eric Holtz had two, McCullough had one, and uh, Rob Waller had a three-pointer. So now we're 2-0 and in the Capital Classic, and now they do do a good job of setting this up for your Saturday game. They try to, like, gauge teams and figure out, okay, who are the two best teams in the in your pool and to play those teams on Saturday afternoon. It doesn't always work out that way because you're going on – no, you have no information to go on other than last year's uh, results because you're building these t- this tournament before the season starts. But Martinsville – was a powerhouse back in the eighties and the early nineties. So it was um, pretty easy to pit uh, Red Hill and Martinsville in that pool play championship. So Martinsville also comes in two and O and looks like they're led by junior Billy Bertram. This was my <laughs> first look at Bill Bertram. Um, he had a, he had be a the big, last. Game. Just say, you'll get he had many a big more. game against Red Hill. Yeah. There'll be lots more looks at Bill. I would end up being uh, for four, Basically three years, he was my roommate but up at Eastern Illinois University. So I know Bill quite well and had a big game against Red Hill in this pool championship. He uh, had 18, um, 8 of 11 from the field. But Red Hill, um, led by our superstar, Brandon Smith, 28 points. He uh, Now, Coach Kendall thought we played the first half unexcited. We, we started out well, but then they didn't have any intensity. And that is that Saturday morning game sometimes yeah. it's uh, – you after playing those two games. Um, but they figured somewhere along the line we'd get them. So And and they did. But because after the intermission, they picked up their defensive effort. I'm sure Coach Kendall got into them a little bit in the locker room. And then Kendall said defense was the key to the game. Eric Colts and Rob Waller really picked up the defensive tempo. And then the rest of them started to pick it up. 
So it came out uh, blazing the second half with a three-pointer by Holtz. And then Ber- Bertram answered with the basket. So Martinsville wasn't going anywhere. But then uh, Brandon Smith, Chad Andrews um, hit back-to-back buckets to take the lead. And then we never looked back in that game. Um, Kendall thought we quit moving the ball on offense in the first half. We had to get get the motion offense going to get our guards penetrating. And they were just stand- too much standing around the first half. So once that penetration by Holtz, Waller, and Allen started, it opened up those opportunities for Brandon Smith and uh, Chad Andrews. I think this is interesting the way they wrote this article. Um, Smith had half of his 28 points in the second half, which would mean he had his other half in the first <laughs> half. <laughs> it's, not, it's not like it. I had to think about that for a second. Yes. So yeah, I just saw that and I didn't think about that until I was reading, reading it right now. <laughs> That's funny. And, um, and then, of course, Kendall, and this is just the beginning of, Brandon had one of the best individual seasons that any Red Hill basketball player ever had um, at Red Hill, if, if not the best. Um, he was the best. He, did, he got robbed of the player of the year in the NEC that year, um, but he just had a phenomenal season. And um, he, Kendall says, what can you say about Brandon Smith? He sucked it up and he let us. And this was Saturday afternoon, and this – and 28-point game where he uh, put us on his, back, on his back and led us to victory. And this wasn't even his best game on Saturday. So there's more to come. <laughs> now, I will tell you guys, I love the Capital Classic and I love basketball. No, I know you do. I love going to these games. Um, but honestly, the hanging out with my friends, the camaraderie and everything, I like that just as much. Um It'd be a lot of these guys that you see on the podcast. Uh, Gary and David were probably the, the, the two, well, definitely the two I hung out with the most. And then we'd always have several others that would join in with us. But those were kind of, that was kind of the core group was the podcast group here. And one of the, when that, those games would get over knowing that, okay, we got four hours. We can go to Vince's. We can go get something to eat. We can listen to music. I remember one, I think it was this Capital Classic, ran a record seller in between sessions. And I'm, um, not sure what music I bought there, but while we're cruising around um, throughout that afternoon, waiting for the Saturday night session to start, these are a few of the songs that we were listening to. So the first time I have you play, Brian, is Warrant's I Saw Red, which was huge at this time. I can remember at one point this weekend, I was listening to it over and over and over. And I don't know what my record for listening to a song, how many <laughs> listens in a day is, but I know I said to myself, I'm going to listen to this song more times today than any other song I've ever listened. I think I listened oh, to wow. it like 27 times or something like that That's on the huge. day. It's, that is it's huge. a great song. Easy to replace. I will lift you up to heaven and you will take their place. When I saw them when I opened up the door I saw them and, and a, a huge hit in December of 1990 throughout entire the november december of um 90 throughout really from october on was um stevie b's number one hit i know gary played this on his uh on his oh, episode yeah. when he when he did this basketball season this was one of his choices also but um the i believe the number one hit at that time or close to it uh stevie b's because i love you the postman song I'm sorry. When I hear this song, I feel like I'm with David King. I mean, I just feel like <laughs> David King is sitting in the passenger seat right next to me. He was not farming. <laughs> just to let you know exactly the way I feel. A monster hit from CBB. And then that one, one other song, it was the number two song. I didn't realize it did so well on the charts. 
it was it's a song that I loved. And I I know I bought the little cassette single at Walmart in Lawrenceville. Is um, Alias's now Alias was a band made up of uh, guys from Sheriff who had had their number one song "When I'm With You" um, a year earlier, and then some of the the guitarists and drummer and so forth from Heart um, combined together for the band Alias. Now, um, one interesting thing about Alias that probably no one cares about, but I thought it was interesting. Listen to a podcast with uh, Heart's guitarist Roger Fisher. And Roger Fisher was a guitarist in Alias. And one thing I found interesting that, so he was called along with these other guys from Heart to be part of Alias. When they joined all the songs that had already been written, recorded, the CD was ready to put out. So the Heart guys had nothing to do with the music that's on the record, but it was more, they wanted to have the super group and combine get. So Fisher was really put off by that, that He's asked me part of this group, and then you get there. Oh, yeah, the mute is already done. We just need you to go out and tour with us to help us sell tickets and things like oh, that. Oh, wow. But it, it's a great song, and it's, their big hit was More Than Words Can Say. Well, here's the problem with uh, what I pulled up. I've got to pull this up on iTunes because I just saw More Than Words, and you know what I pulled up. Oh, yeah. Was, oh, you're thinking oh, yeah. extreme. Yeah. So we're going to go the we're gonna go to iTunes here. You move ahead because we're going to have a big buildup. up. And this is, when you hear the guitar, that will not be Roger Fisher on guitar. Ugh. Much to his chagrin. Roger's an interesting guy. In the oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, now I know what song we're on. To sleep without and Gary, you have to admit, this sounds like David King. Oh, God. I mean, <laughs> I had Extreme ready to go. I forgot there about this. this. I haven't heard this song in a long time, but holy cow, yeah. This is little david king for sure yeah we're very disappointed i mean this is his wheelhouse like capital classic and love songs like that's where he shines the most (laughs) guessing that song was played more than once on waco yes all right so that's some of the music we're listening to in between sessions we've got a bite to eat and it's time to head over to lawrenceville the championship's going to be at lawrenceville this year and it's Red Hill versus Mount Carmel. I've talked about this big rivalry before with our class of 91. I uh, started playing against them in seventh grade and the never defeated us. So spoiler alert, who's going to win this game here? Uh, from junior high to JV basketball to varsity basketball, we had a bunch of buzzer beaters, but they always were went our way. So a little bit on the championship game here. I love the, the opening to the article on this from the Sun commercial. The Red Hill basketball team is no one-man show, which you're not. We're eight or nine deep. Yep. But they have a man who can put one on. So, Tim Aw, goosebumps, baby. That is an awesome opening paragraph to your article there. And he put on a show that night at Lawrenceville. Maybe probably his best performance um, of his career. Um, he had more points in games. I mean, this is one of his, he had games where he scored 38, 39 points, 26 in this game. Um, but it was, it was his signature game. And so, so a little bit on that, that the, uh, Red Hill beat Mount Carmel 78 to 75 yet again, another nail biter that Mount Carmel came up short against Red Hill. Now this one's a little more accurate on the half and half type thing. Um, Maybe this is what Tim Auth was thinking of when he was writing his article for the Saturday morning game. Yep. Uh, Brandon finished with 20. So that this person, I mean, this is Brandon Smith who put on this incredible performance, um, scored 21 of his 26 in the second half, uh, 13 points in the fourth quarter. 
Um, so wow, yeah, and he was named MVP of the Bridgeport Pool. He had a three-point shot with 31 seconds left in the game. They gave us our first lead since the first quarter. So I mean, put it, it reminds me of kind of Marty yeah. Simmons right. that game against Providence, uh, St. Mel at the state tournament. We scored every point in the second half. Yeah. Brandon didn't score every point in the second half, but it's an example of your superstar saying Step we're up. not going to lose this game. And uh, just at, and just I just love those moments in sports, and I love watching it anytime. But it's when it, when it's your friend, your lifelong friend, and your class and your team, it makes it even better watching these things. Wouldn't you so, love? Wouldn't you love? Because we think because especially you guys, but we were smaller with Marty. We, you know, we were younger. He was older. Wouldn't you like to see a Brandon play against a Marty just to see yeah. what that looked like? It would be interesting like this 91 team definitely I mean, we had we did our tournament the the or our poll on the Facebook right, page several right. months ago the best team and this is one some people consider it the best team ever at Red Hill um at least top 3 uh people consider it that way and um yeah it'd be nice to see how the best red the best team Red Hills ever had and the best player Red Hills ever had how they would do against those 82 and 83 yeah. Lawrenceville teams. I mean, because you because we think of those teams as like unbeatable. I mean, it's like, but, you know, they were just high school kids too. Right, I mean, they, right. they were just 17 and 18. They didn't seem that way watching them, but they were. I mean, they only beat Flanagan by a, a few points in the state championship game. Right. So it's not like they were blowing everybody out along the way. Yeah, I mean, you had obviously Marty did some, did big things. Jeff Gear went to VU and Dayton, but, you know, the rest of them, I mean, I, I the Wabash Valleys of the world. I mean, that's where most of those guys went. So yeah. it'd be interesting. I wish that was, yeah, wish it was possible. would have been the favorite, but you know, they probably would have 10, 10 or less. could have kept it within 10, I think, but maybe not. I don't know. I, I started saying it like, oh, can we really keep within 10 with that team? But it would have been fun to watch. I would love to love to see that. So we had a quote from Brandon here in the article. He said once it, that shot with 31 seconds left, once it hit the net, hit that net, it felt great. And of course, Brandon giving credit to his teammates here. It just wasn't falling early, falling early because Brandon was had a slow start in that game. But he said Gene Allen picked up the slack. It was a total team effort. So here I am talking about how Brandon was doing it all and everything, but he's the first he's, to say yeah. that it was a it was the whole team that uh, won that game. And of course, another quote: Brandon is Brandon. There's there's just not much else to say. Uh, yeah. He was out of words, and um, I know how much well Brandon met to everybody and Coach Kendall. I mean, that was that was his guy, and we talked some more about that on the when we talked to, on the Coach Kendall podcast. So, just a little more about that. Um, Smith made the big shots, but the Red Hill press put the team in possession to win. Position to win once again. Holtz and Waller giving credit for their defensive intensity. Mount Carmel, which had not made a turnover in the whole second half, committed five in the last four minutes. So there's your total team effort thing. Waller and uh, Holtz pressuring and and causing those turnovers, which helped Red Hill go on a, a fourteen to four run to finish off the Golden Aces. Uh, more Kindle quotes. It took the three little guys, including Allen as one of the little guys, busting their buns in the press to get some position. That doesn't mean the other 26 minutes weren't important. And um, so Red Hill wins the championship. And so along with that, of course, we have the all-tournament team. Now, this all-tournament team, kind of crazy the first year. 
Um, I guess because in 89, they'd done a 10-team all-tournament team, which is a lot of people for a four a four-team tournament. Yeah. So since we have eight teams, let's do a 20-man all-tournament <laughs> oh team. My so God. This you was know, it would have been easier to do everybody that didn't make it. Yes. So this was the uh, last year, the first and last year of the 20-man all-tournament team. So okay. <laughs> 10 from Red Hill and 10 from Lawrenceville. So I, over at Lawrenceville, the site MVP was their uh, senior, Brian Fox. He was, they had co-MVPs, one from Red Hill, one from Lawrenceville, along with nine other guys, um, including a couple that um, ended up transfer that went to Red Hill at one time, but transferred to Lawrenceville. So they're not going to get their names mentioned because uh, they did not stay at Red Hill, but they Ouch. did make the all-tournament team. <laughs> no, they're good friends of mine. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, let's see. So. At the Red Hill site, here's your all-tournament team. And we'll okay. give some credit to a few guys that I haven't mentioned yet from some of the other schools. Chris Wagner from Edwards County, Kevin Ross, D. Dix, Ryan McGuire from Marshall. Uh, from Martinsville, also placed three guys on Josh Parcel, Brian Haskins, and, of course, Billy Bertram. And then making the all-tournament team from Red Hill was Eric Holtz, Gene Allen, and the MVP, Brandon Smith. Well-deserved right. MVP from that side. Well-deserved, Brandon. I know uh, – I think – uh, Brandon's dad, Mike Smith, has posted a picture before. I'd like to look for that one again. Of Brian Fox and um, yeah. I could probably find it one of the papers. Brian Fox and Brandon Smith standing with their MVP uh, trophies. They definitely and they'll have two more battles in this basketball season, but lots of great battles through the years. So, um, anything else? Anything I didn't cover on the 1990 Capital Classic that? Um, I need to add in there. I was just going to say that, like, with previous, we've been going to that Paris tournament for several years and, you know, probably wasn't all that well attended, I'm assuming, from the Red No, Bulls. I remember oh. going. It was not very many people I there. Remember, I remember so, playing in it and there wasn't anybody there. <laughs> so you had this opportunity to, again, I talk about getting so many games in, and then Saturday night, you're going to play in front of a pretty big crowd already. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's always a big yeah. help. I mean, too. it was pretty much, you, you could pretty much, it's close to a sellout on champ back yeah. then. In those days, it was close to a sellout on championship. Now, if you had the right Absolutely. teams playing, which you usually did yeah. at least yes. at this time and still today, well, I know T-Town recently left, but T-Town would also eat those years. They would bring a huge crowd um, to the tournament. Always best if Red Hill and Lawrence were playing on Saturday night though, which they are going to be on, Every one of these might, that might ha that might happen. <laughs> yeah. And you know, um, talking about Brandon, I mean, obviously, and I, I don't think I need to say this because people have asked, but we will be doing a Brandon Smith episode. We've got to find the right time because that's going to be one that we're we're going to want to involve a lot of different people with thoughts and comments, and and uh, because. Maybe not even arguably, Brandon's our greatest Saluki, and uh, so so that that episode is uh, is coming. It will probably be maybe a milestone type episode that that we'll do. So stay tuned for that. And uh, uh, also upcoming, I'm just going to go ahead and say what we're going to do on our next show. Um, we're going to stay with this same theme, but just go back a few years and talk about the post Thanksgiving tournament at. Uh, that we hosted. Oh, are we going back to like those 70s, like late 70s, early 80s post thing? Oh, I love that tournament. I love that. It was so <laughs> fun. You walked in the gym for the first time and there was a decent crowd. Yeah. And it's not, I mean, it's not the glitz and glamour, the Dennis nope. Campbell and all that. It's just basketball. Yep. Okay. <laughs> That's awesome. So before we move to 1991, again, I want to mention our great, great sponsors, Gray's Restaurant in Bridgeport, Andrew's Insurance, People State Bank, and of course, Tyler Griffin's Pizza House. So please uh, let those folks Folks know that you heard about them right here on the old school Red Hill podcast. I've got 1991, and I'm going to start off with kind of an interesting 
little tidbit here. It was written, and I think this must have come from the Vincent Sun commercial. I found this in because I don't recognize this writer. Do you remember Crystal Philpot? By chance? I actually have some Crystal Philpot artists here. I think she. I think Z- she was Sun commercial. Sun commercial. Think, yeah. yeah. My night, well, I have Crystal Holmes. I'm. I'm assuming she was Philpot. Married. married to Holmes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, she wrote an article on Tuesday, February 5th. Um, So we're, well, I guess we'd be partially halfway in between uh, the 90 and 91 tournament. And uh, I thought this was interesting. I'm going to try not to just read it word for word, but there's just tons of interesting information in here about the Capital Classic. Uh, The Lardsville Capital Classic invested nearly $30,000 into the county through the 1990 Basketball Classic. Um, in a detailed report, Sharon Gillespie talked to the Chamber of Commerce. Officials said income totaled $32,674, while expenses came to $31,751. Sponsorship was the main moneymaker, raising $17,400 in sponsorship dollars. Thought that was uh, that was really really somebody was out there selling in a, in a yeah. big way. Uh, other income: uh, ten thousand six hundred dollars from ticket sales, twenty three hundred dollars from commission sales. What that is? Commission sales. Commission sales wouldn't be advertising. We already know that number, huh? Commission sales. I don't know what that would. I don't know what that would be. That's that's right up your alley, Brian. You yeah, should know that one. Know. Anyway, <laughs> uh, $242 from interest. They've drawn pretty good interest. Uh, $1,200 from T-shirts. Um, I'm sure a few of those were, were uh, your dollars, if I'm guessing. <laughs> $866 from miscellaneous items. That seems like a large number of miscellaneous so they items. they brought in the 866 or they spent the 866? Uh, that was income. Okay. Yeah, so, hmm. I don't know. People were just so dropping money, I think. <laughs> uh, two biggest expenses from the tournament. Dennis uh, Campbell. Spent 5200 bucks on the souvenirs, which I guess that came back in revenue too. So, And uh, $4,100 for programs. Now, I thought that was real. I know it was a pretty yeah. good-sized book, though, right? Yeah. It's nice and thick. Yeah. Forty-one bucks that they spent. Uh, money spent on souvenirs will be less next year, uh, executive, <laughs> executive Secretary Sharon Gillespie said, because there's some left over. Uh, other expenses, 734 bucks for advertising, 600 bucks for office supplies. Seems a touch high to me. $116 for the phone bill. Oh, Bill. Like during those two days of the Capitol class. That seems like a lot, I guess. And you're if you're dealing with mostly chamber members, I mean, advertising, unless you called like Martinsville and got some cafe to be a sponsor, possibly. I don't yeah. I don't know why I don't know how you could be making that many calls. But I mean, you're you're calling the scores into papers in Kentucky and that's Decatur true. and all over, but it still seems high. Seems, seems high to me. Uh, $220, know, yeah. $225 in postage. Okay. So what are we mailing? Let's, We're mailing uh, prepaid envelopes for rosters, maybe? Fax machines yeah. weren't around yet, right? <laughs> or they're just making their... I don't know. It's I, I, I think we need a full audit on this. Really. Uh, cost them $1,200 uh, to print the tickets. And tickets and certificates. Uh, well, they could have cut down on that number had they not put so many people in the all tournament. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> $1,116 for cheerleaders for a percentage of the advertising that they sold. 
So that brings okay, into so question. So, so money goes back into the cheerleading program. Then? Okay, they sold like advertising, that. so which still makes me wonder what that commission sales is. Uh, $787 for gasoline mileage paid to away schools. We okay. paid Providence, Kentucky, 50 cents a mile to come to this tournament. Damn. Pretty <laughs> Two, awesome. $2,447 for lodging and brunch, $2,200 for meals, $400 for gym rental. Mm, two, so they paid Red Hill and Lawrenceville each 200 bucks for their gym. Uh, okay. 3000 for banners, $454 for hospitality. I'm guessing maybe that's referee, food, drink, yeah, hospital, sponsors, media, referees, coaches. coaches yeah. Uh, plus, well, you got this big party at the Elks, too. You got the coaches' party at 9 o'clock at the Elks, so okay. some of it could have gone toward that. What was your two-day expense for referees? Now, we've got, what? Uh, Only two referees back then. Four, so eight. 14. So 12, and then there's just two games that night. Four, so 14, 14 games. 14 games. Yeah. So that'd be 28, 28 officials. Two, uh, what was what we spent? I'm gonna say that? back then they were making forty bucks. So say fourteen hundred dollars. So here's what's interesting. Okay. You're you're both on track. It's one thousand five hundred fifty four dollars and sixty six cents. Hmm. Why were I, I wonder why we weren't paying them in round numbers? Taxes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, um, Nasi, uh, $599 for a party slash dance. Oh, that's the elk. That's the elks thing. Okay. I'm Saturday, Friday night or whenever. I wonder who the speaker was. Cause they paid that person $250. Dennis Campbell. Oh, that's who that's what he did. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, a hundred bucks for security. Hold on. How much did Dennis Campbell make? Two fifty. <laughs> I wonder, if that, I wonder if that covered his mileage too. Mm. Yeah, hopefully he got another fifty cents a mile from Terre Haute and back. <laughs> yes, for the kids. You know they were feeding Campbell Budweisers at the Elks though too. <laughs> Hundred bucks for security. An off-duty Lawrenceville and Bridgeport police officer were hired. Hundred bucks seems cheap. Bridgeport, blah blah blah. blah. Six hundred dollars for the janitors to clean up after the game. Three hundred for each school's janitor. Probably. Would Blackjack been around at that time, maybe? No, I was he's never gone. around. He, okay. Yeah, he's, he's gone. gone. Uh, one McBride. Of those, yeah, McBride was taking a lot of that. For $1,500 <laughs> for trophies, $1,500 for giveaways, and $1,210.95 goes into that miscellaneous column. So, but as your senior, it's for those that haven't been part of it. You know, running. You don't just show up the day after Thanksgiving and start playing basketball. This is a year-long process. A lot it's of a work. huge, yeah, huge deal, and a lot, a lot goes into it year-round. Uh, music, the number one song in the country, and I've got a real, real problem with this song. A big time OCC oh, song. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. I like the set adrift. This is not PM. This is well, true by Spando music. Ballet. Come on. Number one song in the country. Go oh, God. It just irritated me. <laughs> oh, for crying out loud, Storm. Well, you, this isn't a sample. Yeah, I 
True by Spando Ballet is a good song. They can, PM Dawn can, you know. Thanks. Black and White by Michael Jackson, of course. It's So Hard to Say Goodbye uh, by Boys to Men. All for Love um, at number seven by Color Me Bad. And then this classic that people still dance to today. Speaking of a night, now this is a good use of a cover. Of course, covering a Jackson 5 song. Naughty My Nature and OPP. Let Tretch get his moment in the sun here. OPP, how can I explain it? I take it frame by frame it. So that's some of the hit songs going on. Um, your boy that you mentioned earlier, Tuesday, November 26th, wrote a great article. Tim Auth. Um, I'm, I'm assuming that's how you say it. Auth? We have Auths around so. here. That's how they say it up here. Yeah. Okay. Uh, he wrote a nice article just talking about who's coming in. Says he seems like the tournament's getting bigger and bigger. But Tim Auth, anyway, I, and just kind of some stories came up. So I got to wondering. I wonder where Tim Auth is these days. Oh, okay. <laughs> and I looked him up on LinkedIn. And he is the certified scrum product owner at Caterpillar Inc. in Bloomington, Illinois. Um, I told you we had offs around here. Yeah. I didn't know it was him. <laughs> yeah, it's him. <laughs> uh, he's been at Caterpillar for 20 years. He created a customer-facing login experience, mycat.com, established a, a CRM tool technology and uh, processors across uh, customer-facing divisions. So, Tim is one of the auths that's up in your area now. Okay, great. So, the third annual Capital Classic kicking off, uh, of course, talks about how the round-robin competition in this year's tournament uh, at the Lawrenceville site. It's Mount Carmel, Lawrenceville, Mount Pulaski making their uh, appearance, and Providence, Kentucky, of course. And then over at Red Hill, it's Martinsville, Edwards County. They're going to open up on Friday after or Friday morning at 11, followed by Red Hill and Marshall. Um, yeah. so, same, so same teams at Red Hill then. Yeah, so Friday night, uh, Red Hill takes it to, or I'm sorry, um, Friday afternoon, unless I got my notes wrong here. Why do I have Friday night first? And now, Brian, go. I got to just interject real quick. Yeah. We lost all five starters from this team the year before. I think we're picked, I think we talked in the McCullough episode. I think we're picked sixth in the NEC. So, yep. Probably not expecting a whole lot in this Capital Classic here, but I'm interested to see how we do. Well, Friday afternoon, it was Red Hill 64, Marshall 55. So they're off to a good start. They had a third quarter run, uh, 11 to 0, and to take a 47 35 win. And despite what Coach Kendall called a subpar effort, his quote was, it was a poor win, too many mental mistakes, and poor free throw shooting. But as you alluded to, got a lot of new guys here that are yeah. playing minutes that they've either never played or, or hadn't seen much of so you know that that's probably i'm guessing to be expected your you know friday morning 11 a.m game uh but d holloway comes out in what is you know his breakthrough performance with 25 points okay. matt uh matt mccullough eric mosby followed up with 13 waller 12 havel eight stoltz four bobby stevens two justin sheer pours in two and Scott Murray 
played but did not score. In the second game, Friday afternoon, it was Martinsville 70, Edwards County 61. So then we head to Friday night. It was Red Hill 79, Edwards County 66. It was 30-15 to 15 after the first quarter, where Red Hill in the first quarter made 13 of 17 shots. Kendall said the first quarter and the and a half we dominated. We're capable of being very, very good. We got up by 20 and should have run them out of the gym. We should have, but we didn't, and our boys need to suck it up. So Coach Kendall, again, a little bit of success already, but he's he's not thrilled. Uh, in that game, McCullough went off um, 13 of 14 shooting. And uh, um, wow. from the from the well, I'm sorry, 14, 13 to fourteen from the free throw line uh, for so, twenty. So impressive. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Twenty three points. Uh, Bobby Stevens comes out with fourteen. Waller nine. Mosby seven. Juice six. D Holloway four. Havel two. In the next game, Martinsville topped Marshall in a in a real good game, seventy one uh, sixty six. And your boy Billy Bertram pours in twenty three. So that wraps up Friday. Oop. Went to Saturday afternoon. And uh, this was the game that, you know, everybody's looking forward to. Who's going to go into the championship game undefeated? It was Red Hill Martinsville. And Red Hill comes out on top 69-65. And uh, the quote in the paper was, which tandem was going to outscore the other? McCullough Holloway versus Bertram and Spittler. And Bertram Spittler with 47, bested by McCullough and Holloway with 50. Wow. Damn. Uh, Kendall said they came out and admitted they couldn't play us straight up and went 1-3-1. We attacked the zone and destroyed it. Uh, Fred was not happy uh, not being able to put a team away again. They had a big lead and kind of let it slip away. But Kendall's quote, you guys know basketball pretty well, and his quote is something that always intrigues me when fans or coaches say, if you don't play us man-to-man, you're scared of us, you don't think you can match up. Gary, in football, if you play a zone defense, that's not thought of as gimmicky or your chicken to play play somebody straight up, is it? No, not at all. But that's a. But I think, especially Coach Kendall, he lived for when people played man to man. I mean, it was, a, and that kind of goes with some of the stuff I'll talk about. But he was so good at X's and O's and running plays that you would eat up nearly every time someone played man to man, or you'd end up getting them. You'd end up winning the game somehow. So. Yeah. He was a master at. I think he's changed on that a, because um, when I first um, got into like, coaching and junior high coaching things like that, I was a uh, with people that man to man was all the only thing they would uh, uh, ever teach, and and definitely at the junior high level is nothing but man to man. But as I come up here, I see our junior high teams uh, play zone, um, and our high school team plays a lot of zone. And I, yeah, if I ever got back into coaching again, I think I'd play more zone. I think I could. W- and I know it's not all about winning at the lower levels. It's not, but it sure is fun to win. It's good for the kids to win. Absolutely. And um, yeah, I, yeah, I, cause my first, cause you know, I didn't know, you know, as a student and as a player, you don't like think of it from a coaching stuff, but like being around coaches for the first time I got after I got out of college, it was, yeah, that's why I was the, the way you thought about that. You had to play man to man or you're scared or whatever. Yeah, right. So Jim, uh, yeah, I don't agree with that philosophy. Yeah, now. Jim, Jim Bayheim had a pretty good career at Syracuse playing one, three, one yeah. with those Long wingspan guys. Yep. Back to the 91 tournament. Mount Carmel sweeps through the Lawrenceville site. I'm not going to go into all these games. Uh, it's going to be Red Hill and Mount Carmel in the finals. But Tad Ackerman has 104 points um, in those three games. So pretty good tournament for him. And as we yeah, go, Tad, Tad would go on to play at Creighton. So they got a D1 guy on their on their roster there. I don't think I knew that. Yeah, I think he started at Wabash Valley, then went to Creighton. Oh, wow. cool. 
Uh, two streaks remain constant in the third annual basketball capital classic. Red Hill kept its unbeaten streak alive as the Slukies became the tournament's first repeat winner, and Mount Carmel was the bridesmaid with their th- the third consecutive time as being the runner-up. In the championship game, uh, after last year's 75-72 win, Red Hill turned this year's game into a showcase with a surprisingly easy 71-40 romp over those Mount Carmel Golden Aces. Yeah. Uh, had a 9-0 run early and, and never looked back. Um, what a performance that was. And that was the night you realized, like, wow, this team's going to be really good. Because, I mean, that was, we were definitely the underdogs going into that game. Well, that's what oh, I was going to ask you guys. I knew you were there. So do you remember you remember this game? And, and Oh, yeah. That was, was that a, was the coming out party for sure, huh? Yeah, because, you know, Martinsville, Marshall, Edwards County. I mean, even though Martinsville and Marshall had pretty good teams, like, Martinsville had a really good team. I mean, we'll, we'll see them again in the sectional. But, um, yeah, I mean, you kind of expect to win those games. Um, especially Edwards County, but yeah, going against another NEC team and one of the favorites of the NEC. Um, you like to think you have a shot, but you don't expect to go and win by 31 points or whatever it was. Yeah. Well, in the, in the big keys, uh, both teams were playing their fourth game in 48 hours. The Slukies looked fresh while Mount Carmel appeared to have tired legs from the outset. Uh, Red Hills Mosby and Brian Havel put the defensive clamps on Ackerman and forced the Aces star into an 8-for-24 shooting night. Ackerman 6'3", looked physically wasted and mentally frustrated. Um, so that's what you want to hear about a good player you're playing against. While Ackerman was the whole show for Mount Carmel, Red Hill got 19 points from 6'5", senior Matt McCullough, the Bridgeport Sites MVP, 16 from 6'4", junior all-tournament selection D. Holloway, 12 from 6'1", junior Bobby Stevens, and 11 from 5'9", senior point guard Rob Waller. Uh, nobody else from Mount Carmel scored more than five. Kendall said Mosby and Havel did a great job on Ackerman. Who would have thought they could have turned, uh, guarded an all-stater like that? And uh, so big uh, big props he gave to D that, you know, how good he did in the middle. So this is really, like I say, the coming out party for for this for this team beating a very, very good team. Two in a row, the other uh, repeat winner was the Lawrenceville High School Cheerleaders who won the Spirit Award. Um, they went back-to-back in that, so congratulations to them. Uh, tournament MVPs, like I said, McCullough at Red Hill, Ackerman over in Lawrenceville. Uh, those two, obviously, were on the all-tournament team. Todd Drone from Mount Carmel, Rusty Tool from Lawrenceville, Brad Beggs from Mount Pulaski. Calvin McReynolds from Providence got somebody on the alternative. All right. That's a good job, Calvin. And at the Bridgeport side, of course, McCullough was the MVP. D. Holloway, Billy Bertram, Kevin Ross from Marshall, and Chris Wagner from Edwards County. And that will wrap up my coverage of the 1991 Capital Classic. And, of course, after a Capital Classic in any basketball game, go out to Gray's, have a beer and a cheeseburger. Then one day, order a pizza to take home, and while you're doing it in that car that's financed by People's State Bank and insured by Andrews Insurance Agency, and you will be one happy basketball fan. Let's go to 1992 and Mr. Gary Michael Emmons. Well, I was going to get rolling here with one of my songs that I wanted to get get played for the that was big during that 1992 uh, fall going into November. We all know this one. Still played at stadiums, arenas around especially in college, Wisconsin does this, but let's start with a little House of Pain, Jump Around. Pack it up, pack it in, let me begin. I came to win, battle me, that's a sin. I won't ever slack up, punk, you better back up. Try and play the role and you're the whole crew will act up. 
think this is pretty much one hit wonder house of pain i think for the most part i think so lead singer yeah, everlast, everlast went on to uh have a bit of a solo oh career. Right. actually yeah, actually right. saw everlast in concert uh back in like 99 maybe in st yeah, louis they, and they it was everlast. such a oh, cool i remember run. you talk about this yeah it, yeah what it what it's like, I think. Yeah, it was actually yeah, a really good yeah. song. Yes. Yeah, but his his whole his whole concert was like that. Like the crowd was just standing there dead. I mean, like no one was. And he finally starts yelling at the crowd <laughs> about how they weren't giving any emotions. Like, well, dude, you're the one that sets the tone for that. Yeah. So, you're the one kind of lost it. Didn't really carry much for Everlast after that time I saw him. House of Pain uh, had three albums: House of Pain in '92, same as it ever was in '94, and Truth Crushed to Earth Shall Rise Again in '96. I would highly recommend if you haven't seen it. Uh, Wisconsin does it, I think, either after the first quarter or at the end of the third quarter. I can't remember. I think, it, I think third, but... But go find the video on YouTube this year against Michigan. It's the first time they've allowed a full crowd, of course, in two football season. You talk about chills. That's So Wisconsin-Michigan football game, jump around. I would, highly, uh, I would highly recommend you go and do that. Well, let's get on to the 1992 Capital Classic and okay. a couple of things. I mean, this, of course, uh, I joined the basketball team, so get a little little uh, more information than maybe. But one of the things that I always thought was cool was that I know on our Wednesday basketball practice, of course, the day before Thanksgiving, was the banners being hung from the ceiling. So, you know, if you remember the gyms, I mean, they did what they, Brian was talking about that when they brought these in. It was basically the ceiling was covered in these, I don't know, probably four-foot uh, vinyl uh, banners with all the different sponsors on it. And you got to see, I think during like PE and stuff, they had the big lifts and they're putting them in there. So it's that was kind of a cool thing uh, to see your gym get transformed into something that was, you know, it's kind of a big deal. You know, the Capital Classic, a little pressure on, on us coming into it. We won eight games in a row in the Capital Classic. So it was uh, big shoes to fill. But if you remember, uh, you know, typically on that Wednesday before Thanksgiving is when the preseason articles have come out about the teams. And at that point, Bobby Stevens was not even mentioned in these newspapers. Oh yeah. We thought, right. we thought that we, we thought that we weren't going to have him. I mean, yeah. it was uh, kind of dicey by about uh, Monday and Tuesday of that week. And we still didn't know, but we found out on Wednesday at practice that it was approved and it was really, really cool. The article in the paper says uh, an 11th hour Illinois high school association Reprieve gave Red Hills Bobby Stevens his senior year of athletic eligibility and significantly strengthened the Slukies basketball squad, which is probably like, yeah, no joke. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe that, maybe the understatement of the century. <laughs> Stevens, an all-around athlete, turned 19 in October and was ruled ineligible under current IHSA age requirements. Much to Red Hill of, Joe Novacek's chagrin. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Red Hill officials petitioned the IHSA for a special conditions waiver early, earlier, but the exemption was not granted, and Stevens was thought to be finished with high school athletics. But a second appeal by his mother moved the IHSA to grant a special allowance that paved the way for Stevens to participate and made an appearance in Red Hill's opening game of the Basketball Capital Classic. So uh, if I remember right, he was able to practice, I think, but of course, when it was still kind of uh, under appeal, but I think Coach Kendall talked about that story when Bobby's mother, Gladys, yeah. and uh -huh. uh, mm -hmm. Principal Harry Rice and Coach and uh, Kendall all went with them. So obviously, it was great news for us. Yeah. The story was that Bobby basically started school at a late age when they lived in Wisconsin and then was held back a year by his mom after some health problems. 
Um, grades had nothing to do with the eligibility, eligibility issues. So fortunately for Red Hill, we got Bobby coming into the game. Second Something Wisconsin that, mention in this podcast. Yes, yes. Yeah, by me. True. <laughs> so you have the Red Hill side, of course. You got same same characters, Red Hill, Marshall, Edwards County, and Martinsville. And over on the Lawrenceville side, you have Lawrenceville, of course, Mount Carmel. Newcomer Mount Pulaski, I think, right? We didn't mention them before. Uh, no, they were in the they were in they the, were last, the last one. Yeah, they were in and then one. Providence gets to return once again. So Yay. Providence is in that one. One of the things of I guess the perks that I remember is that I know they gave us a t-shirt with the Capital Classic. I don't have mine anymore. But I know we had a breakfast at the Elks. I can't remember if that would have been Friday or Saturday morning. But I Do know you remember who the guest speaker was by chance? I don't remember anything <laughs> like that. So um that I don't recall. But we did get to have a free breakfast and uh I, I predict if there was a breakfast this year, Rick Simler from Channel 10 would be the <laughs> speaker. When we start the games, of course, Red Hill always played the second game of the Friday morning session, and then and you played the last game of Friday night, and then you got to play the first game of Saturday morning, which I assume that was designed to hopefully give you more rest going into the championship game. Spoiler yeah. alert. Helps being a host. Red Hill destroy, destroys Bridgeport site. In BCC field, of course, not knowing, again, losing uh, a lot of great seniors off that team the previous season. You have basically Bobby, and at this point, learned uh, Bobby indeed and uh, coming coming back, but a lot of unknowns coming into this this season. So little question marks there. Coach Kendall's quote is saying, we were a lot quicker than I thought we would be. Um, won each of the first two games by 30 points. Stevens' return was a big plus. The other kids have played pretty well and thought uh, we're not going to be just a two-man team. Game number one, Red Hill beats Marshall 88-44. to Ouch. The fast-breaking Salukis ran to a 38-22 halftime lead, Ooh. then scored 32 third-quarter points. Whoa. Up 70-36 to going into the fourth quarter. Doubled them up. Uh, Bobby shows no signs uh, of – uh, Rust, of course, he was practicing the whole time, but Bobby pours in 22 points, 11 rebounds in this first game. Holloway has 17 points in only 16 minutes. Wow. So not a battle of showing showing for uh, D in that one either. Kendall says Stevens pushes the ball up court well. He's hard to defend. He did a good job on their kid, which was uh, Marshall Center Shane Cheeseman. Cheeseman will go on to make the all-tournament team. So going into the so some of the stats for Red Hill that game, like I said, Stevens 22, Holloway 17, Shear 4, Murray 5, Emmons 7, Young 5, Brad Highsmith 4 points, Kelly Tucker pours in 7, Todd Hardacre 5, Justin Marinholtz 4, Ryan McAnell 2, and that was your Scott Hayes 2, Kevin Kimmel 2, Travis Wilcox 2. God, quit scoring so I can jump in here. <laughs> no kidding. Um so how long had it been since you played a basketball game? You scored seven points in the Well, not since freshman year. Um, whatever the last game of the freshman season would have been. So took a little two year hiatus to watch and go to rehab. Uh, yeah, go yeah, I had some trouble. So <laughs> came out of that fresh as a daisy to to join my classmates to try to have a successful basketball season. Or were so, you secretly like Bobby at like uh, army boot camp? No, that didn't happen either. <laughs> So let's go to uh, Friday night. We got Edwards County. The Lions. Another blowout, 85 to 60. Beat, uh, beat Edwards County in that one. 
Two two different teams, same results. Upper eighties. Holloway off. rips in uh, twenty eight points. Stevens fouled out with eleven. Emmons pours in eighteen points. Holy three for three from cow. the three point range. That's right. Shear added a th- uh, career high thirteen, up forty four to thirty four at halftime, and then up sixty four forty after three periods. Stevens converts drives to hoop. Uh, in eight of Red Hill's first 10 points of the game, went up to a 10-2 lead and never looked back. Shear, Emmons, and Murray combined for 16 of the 23rd quarter points to dismantle the Lions zone with four trifectas. They didn't want to come Kendall out says when you shoot like that, you can't stay back in the zone very long. They couldn't handle us man-to-man, and we hit the outside shots against the zone. So, you know. Same. You try to keep Stevens and Holloway, so you pack in the two, three, and then you got to hit shots to get Emmons, out of it. Emmons so and Shear starts playing bombs away. That's right. That's right. Kelly Tucker's uh, scoring falls off in this game from the seven earlier <laughs> in the day. <laughs> what did what did he do? So let's look at this. Stevens eleven, Holloway twenty eight, Shear thirteen, Murray nine, Emmons eighteen, Young two, Highsmith zero, Tucker with two. That drops Marin holds with two. Not yeah, rounded out the scoring for Red Hill. Tucker's average has now dropped to, from seven to four and a half on the season. Yeah. So does this set up Mark the the traditional Saturday afternoon Martinsville game? Yes, I think okay. it's, yeah, Saturday. I think it's like an eleven a.m. start. I think is yeah. Red Hill Martinsville at eleven. Bennett's still the their coach at this point, Chip. Randy Bishop was their Bishop, coach at this not time. Yeah, Bishop. Yep. Yeah. yeah, Bennett was there before Bishop. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Martinsville hung early as the Slukies started slowly, but the same fate for Red Hill's other opponents. Holloway burned the Blue Streaks 1-3-1. You think they would have learned from the year before. But D scores 27 points. Martinsville's then forced to switch to a man-to-man, which is obviously Coach Kendall's advantage. Our outside kids did a good job of getting Holloway the ball. They aren't doing enough penetrating, but they uh, are getting the ball inside well. Stevens has 14 Emmons and Murray's netted nine for Red Hill. So that sets up uh, what we probably all anticipate and we love to do is uh, go over to Lawrenceville for the Saturday night championship game. <laughs> Lawrenceville actually advanced to the title game over Mount Carmel by free throw percentage. Ooh. So both had a, so if you remember, that's how they used to do that back then. Yeah. So uh, both finished two and one and Lawrenceville made a few more free throws than Mount Carmel. So Lawrenceville advanced. Martinsville, Mount Carmel playing the, the runner-up game. I don't even know who won. I think Mount Carmel beat him, I believe. But a, a little bit with that is that that's, uh, you know, when you got Red Hill, Martinsville early in the season, that was one of those things. I remember when we, when we walked into the gym, the gym was already full when we got there. That's fun. Pretty much full. So, you know, you know, D and Bobby and even Justin, those guys have experienced this, but that's like, you know, even in football, you never really thought about a crowd even really being in the game. But when you walk into that gym and first of all, the story gym that Lawrenceville is to right, begin with, and right. you're going to play Lawrenceville that night for the championship. And it's kind of like humbling to, it's like, oh my God, mm-hmm. this is, you know, this is a pretty big tournament. Deal, I mean, so. tournament atmosphere on the second day. Yeah. Oh, sectional yeah. championship atmosphere over there that night. And what a great game it was. We Red Hill Lawrence will go to overtime that night. Uh, I do remember just from my remembrance of the game, the we free throws just killed us down the stretch. I mean, we just couldn't make a free throw, which would obviously be our Achilles heel at the end of the season, too. But Red Hill pulls it off three straight Capital Classic Super Championships. Nice. 
12 right. game winning streak. Yeah, job. it was awesome. Down by nine points in the fourth quarter. Made a great comeback. Senior Scott Murray Steele in the layup completed the Slukies' comeback from a nine point fourth quarter deficit and forced overtime, spurring Red Hill to a 66 63 win over the Lawrenceville sophomores, Tim Althrights. Oops, Indians. Ooh. So again, Lawrenceville is <laughs> like a really young team. Excuses. And off being very clever there. Yeah. Uh, but. You know, and we won't talk about them maybe next on the next one. But where's Staver during all this? Off is taking over. <laughs> we need to get that kid on the line now that we know where he's at. Yes, it was the third straight. Oh, I was just gonna say I, I think this is the game, and I've mentioned this on other podcasts when Joe Novacek did his post game on the radio, and he was just pissed, and he's like, "Well, they've got a twenty year old playing point guard." He was not quite right. <laughs> So Murray Steele came moments after fourth quarter hero Bobby Stevens fouled out. Stevens had brought the Slukies back by outscoring the Indians eight to two in a three minute stretch. After the Indians went ahead 61 56 with two minutes left, D Holloway scored and Stevens made a foul shot before fouling out. With, uh, with the Slukies looking to foul, Murray, who was double teaming, simply took the ball away from Ryan Hammer out of the right hash mark and drove down the court for the tying layup. We've been putting him on the best people every game. Red Hill coach Fred Kendall said of Murray, he made a big steal. He had a big rebound at the end of it, and he just played his heart out. Murray's effort was not lost in Holloway. D said when the when he made the steal, we got us up and we knew we could do it, Holloway said. D said, I wasn't going, I wasn't doing a lot, but in overtime I said, I gotta, I gotta do this. I was just going to take it to them and put it in the hole. And he did for sure. So celebrations all around. Stevens finishes 23 points. Holloway scores 18. Again, the Indians tried his zone, but we shot him out of it to put him back in the, and that's what helped lead us to a comeback. Shear scores 12, Murray 10. I poured in two. And then Young and Highsmith also saw action and didn't score. Nick Moorhead leads Larnsville at 21 in the defeat. So again, 12 in a row. Super championship once again. Which is pretty darn cool. Uh, awesome, awesome there. So let's get to the all tournament teams. Larchville site showed Rex Chance from Mount Pulaski, Charlie Wall from Mount Carmel, Nathan Slunder from Mount Carmel. Larchville brought in Ryan Hammer, sophomore, and Nick Moorhead as a junior. And Nick Moorhead was named the Larchville site most valuable player. Red Hill site, Chris Knighty, I think that's how you said it, yep. Martinsville, Shane Cheeseman. And then Red Hills, Gary Emmons, Bobby Stevens, and D. Holloway round out the Red Hills site with Holloway becoming named the most valuable player, averaging 22 a game. D. made the all-tournament team the year before too, right? So back-to-back all-tournament teams mm-hmm. and an MVP for Holloway. Red Hill wins the cheerleader award. Mount Carmel won the Larnsville site. So, yeah, Larnsville streak does end. I didn't look up the cheerleading winner Um uh, during my portion, the 1990 Capital Classic. But you said Lawrenceville last year repeated, Brian. Uh, as, correct. So that means that team with Troy Moore in 1990 well, didn't win the cheerleading award? Well, no, they had two different winners. But winter, here's right what I'm wondering. Okay, so, because, okay there's, there's site champions. All right. Because yeah. let me look here. Okay, I feel better now. I got to think. Red Hill had to have won. Well, now, maybe I just didn't read far enough. Give me a second. I've got the article. The, the second straight Capital Classic honor at the Lawrenceville tournament site. Okay, so I didn't read far enough. But... To answer your question, <laughs> well, now, folks, keep up with us here. We're shifting back to 91. 
the Edwards County High School cheerleaders from Albion won the Spirit Award at Red Hill. So that would have been 91. So I've been after Troy graduated. So I don't know. I'll have to maybe dwell during Gary's a 93 report. I'll have to kind of research the 1990 champion. Well, you and know, I, if that was original, that was a screen. Yeah, we would. Don't we feel bad. The that. only reason I reported on that because literally the picture <laughs> covered the entire page. I mean, I couldn't miss it. <laughs> and um, I do have to give, I know Vinny, uh, Vinny Araujo listens to all of our episodes. Um, Vinny and I communicate a lot, um, but I have to say, as much as I talk to him and it seems like we're longtime friends, this Capital Classic weekend were the only two days I've ever been around Vinny in my entire life. Uh, I sat with him at the Friday games and the Saturday games, and um, I guess we um, made an impression on each other. Um, two guys that love Red Hill High School. So say that's the uh, common denominator there for yes. sure. Well, go ahead. I mean, this is when, of course, the grunge movement is really starting to come in. Probably, I don't know, of that time, and this was a great song, had a great, had a really sad message that went along with it. But coming to its own was a little band from Seattle, Washington yeah. called Pearl Jam with Jeremy. There are a lot of Bill Bertrams on LinkedIn, and I still haven't found our guy. Not a real upbeat message, but what a good song. Yeah, pretty sad, but yeah, a great song nonetheless. Well, do we want to move on to the 1993 Capital Classic? I would like to. We really don't wins in a row. I want to see if we can keep this winning streak going. Unfortunately, the streak comes into an end in a, in a very quick fashion. Of course, this team lost everybody that played. Yeah. Uh, Kelly saw minutes here and there sparingly. But outside of that, this is a team that was uh, not young necessarily, but wasn't wasn't riddled with a bunch of talent. So uh, tough season for the Salukis. They go 2-22 and 22 on the year. Didn't win an NEC game. And, in fact, the only two games that went all year was the second game of the Capital Classic. And then we went down and beat Edwards County a couple, couple days later. But that was it for the season. So that's so, a pretty good start. Well, we started off 0-1, I will say that. And, yeah, we're uh, playing 500 ball after that Edwards County game. Hey, did Providence yes. ever play the Red Hill site? Oh, yes. They did? Oh, okay. yeah, they came over. <laughs> I'll have some reports okay. on that in a little bit. <laughs> Red Hill starts the first game off with Marshall, as, as normal. Take a 58-28 loss. So a little 30-point loss, probably payback for Marshall from the previous couple years. In that game, Kelly Tucker scores four. Ryan McAdow has scores 10. Jeremy Marinholt scores three. Ryan Walter at four. Kevin Kimmel, two. Eric Mosey's brother, Jason, scores two points. Okay. So rough start for the Salukis. I think the writing was on the wall at that point. But the Edwards County game, we did come back. Had a nice win, 56 to 48 in that game. Again, Tucker with four points. Ryan McAdow pours in 17. Good game for Ryan. Ryan Waldrop scores eight, and Kevin Kimmel scores 17 in the game. KK. So nice game, nice game for Kevin. Rest in peace, Kevin Kimmel. He's missed. Then we move on to the third game. 
Martinsville blow, blows out Red Hill 60 to 33. Not much to say about this game. So unfortunately, the uh for at least a little bit, the glory run is over with. Not much else to report on other than Shane Cheeseman wins the MVP award at Red Hill, and Ronnie Wilcox is your MVP at the Mount Carmel. Marshall beats Lawrenceville in overtime, so I'm always happy to report on a Lawrenceville loss. <laughs> nice getting some digs in at Lawrenceville to, tonight yes. throughout the episode. <laughs> the, Lawrenceville, couple... the Lawrenceville Juniors. <laughs> Let me let me play one of my songs from 1993. This was a huge song for me at Olney Central College uh, that year. But big song in November of '93 was Shannon Hoon and Blind Melon with No Rain. You not like this song? WRHS coming at you on a Wednesday night. It's right now 10:08. For all you basketball fans out there, get ready for the Capital Classic. Won't have any tears if you're winning and you ain't got no rain. Oh, I hit that perfect. Hit the post. Shannon Hoon, of course, in the Guns N' Roses video on top of that skyscraper. Don't you cry tonight. Tonight. That was really when I knew who Shannon Hoon was more than that he was the lead singer of Blind Melon when he was in that Guns N' Roses video. So I think it's time to segue to the 1994 Capital Classic. All right. Sorry about that. I know Gary, during some texts earlier today, Gary talked about how he's got some segue music, so I thought Gary had a song for me. Awesome. I was waiting for the song to fire up hang on. All right. Gary, hang on. Gary well, skipped the DJ. Gary skipped, Gary skipped a song, so I'll play it while you're getting ready to. Oh yeah, one. That was one was on his list by Allison Chains to take us into the 1994 Capital Classic. A little darker. <laughs> and it's a darker time for Red Hill basketball yes, this time. Um, and Coach Kendall got into this a little bit. He knew that uh, it was going to be a couple rough years um, after that class of '93 graduated. So we're coming off. Gary said, "What a two and twenty-two season." And um, this season, as Jerry, Jeremy Marinholz uh, was a junior on this team, and he, he was quoted in Dog Tales as saying, uh, we're basically a JV team playing varsity. Um, but throughout the year, they just kept working together. And finally, um, they started that following year, they started making it happen a little bit in 90, the 95-96 season. But this would be a rough season. Um, our only seniors on the team were Aaron Burchett and Matt Ambrose. So I was like uh, – Kimmel did not go out for the team that year. So um, they were your seniors and they look and they were coming off the bench. I think they were uh, pretty deep in the rotation down, down in the rotation. So it's a very young team and we open up the capital classic with a loss to Marshall. So a little bit, let me get some information on that Marshall game here. I clicked off the screen I was on. Okay. So in that Marshall game to open the season, uh, Red Hill lost 66 to 34. Um, Kendall remarked that uh, Marshall's a well-coached team, does a lot of switching, uh, but they were there were a lot of gaps. We didn't take advantage of it. And just said our players just don't really understand the offense yet. Uh, freshman Steve Wilson did ex- rebound extremely well. So um, so there are a few, I think four freshmen 
dressing on this team. So wow. this is a very young and experienced team. But Wilson, I believe, was already uh, starting as a, he he stepped into the Capital Classic and entered the starting lineup um, wow. right away. So I don't think he started the first game of the Capital Classic, but by the third game, um, he was in the starting five. So in that game, not a lot of scoring, uh, pretty balanced, but not a lot of it. Jared Bryan was a sophomore. He scored seven. Junior, uh, junior Jeremy Marinals at seven. Junior Ryan, Rald, Ryan Waldrop, six. Uh, Aaron Burchett, one of our two seniors, scored six. Jamie Stevens, five. Uh, Steve Wilson, his first two varsity points. And Billy Gray, who was a sophomore, um, also scored one point in that game, the 66-34 loss. So Reynolds off to an 0-1 start. And then, now one of the big attractions of this Capital Classic was we had a D1 signee um, in the Red Hill site. So a new team in the tournament, um, Tolono or Unity High School out of Tolono, Illinois is here. And they are led by Purdue signee Brian Cardinal who went on to have a illustrious career at Purdue and in, and played in the NBA decent, for quite a while. Decent NBA career, yeah. Yeah. So um so Cardinals at the Red Hills. So that 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 was kind of a buzz going around coming into the tournament was that um cuz he had like I said he already signed. So his dad Rod Cardinal was the uh longtime um team doctor uh, or team tra- or trainer for the um Fighting Illini. So you know Tolona's right up by Champaign. Oh, I didn't so know that. Yeah, so so I don't know that I'm assuming um, Henson did not recruit Cardinal very heavily um, because Purdue, um, with him deciding to go to Purdue, unless he was just wanting to get away. But um, I'm guessing Illinois did not um, recruit Brian Cardinal. So um, we're going to play Unity in this Friday night game. And um, it was a 74 to 62 loss. Hey, not bad um, for this this young team. So a little bit on that game. The Saluki shot 54% from the field that night. Uh, Ryan Waldrop um, hit 12 of 18 shots, um, scored 24 points. And uh, Kendall told the kids, he said, not to worry about their press clippings, that there's no reason to be ashamed if you're being aggressive out there. So uh, we did a good – because I Unity came into the season ranked seven in the preseason poll in the state, uh, said did a good job against their press. So you're starting to see signs. This sure. is going to be a long yep. season. They end up going three and twenty-three this season. So it's going to be a long season. But you're seeing signs that there's better days ahead, right. and and, these, right. and they would follow these few years after this. And um, Waldrop um, or um, Kendall hoped that this would build Waldrop's confidence. You would hope a twenty-four point game needs I have to a start too. Cardinal probably was somewhere near guarding him if he wasn't. Yeah, if, if he mean, didn't start out the game, they probably at least put him on there yeah. at, at, at some point. Yeah. But yeah, um, Unity scored 15 consecutive points to, to take a 16 to four lead early in the game. But then I guess from that played him even. I think we lost by 12, so I guess we played him even after the first five minutes. The rest of the way, um, so and the coach Acres at Unity and uh, Gary Wilsey was an assistant on that team, I believe. Uh, the head coach was Don Acres. He said Red Hill played pretty well, and we were absolutely awful. Um, Cardinal, Cardinal along with Brad Suits, a big capital classic name, did the, they scored 22 that night. Suits was their three-point specialist. And um, the only thing Kendall was disappointed in, he said, was the officiating. So he did get a chance to kind of talk about that in his, in his quotes. He said Cardinal was dipping his shoulder all night long, 
should have been charges called, never yeah. called the entire game. He says if, if Cardinal has to sit down with foul trouble, that's a different ball game. And um, so, yeah, I mean, I was there that night, but didn't really remember that we had played um, played them so tough. So we do start the season 0-2, okay. but big move by the committee, by Clifford, Terry, Cool, Gardner, all of them. Cochran. Let's get let's get Providence let's get Providence over in the Red Hill site. And I I remember this was exciting for me. It's like I'd never seen Providence play. I'd heard about them every year. I see their articles on paper, but the only time you saw the Lawrenceville site was in the Super Championship night, and they were never in that, of course. So I'd never seen Providence play. We got Providence coming to the Red Hill site for the first time. Okay. And I don't know, maybe some Red Hill people. You know, we need a win. Where there's not going. I mean, this might be conversations yeah, going right. on behind the scenes. You know. Red Hill's not going to have very many chances to win games this year. Who do you think's pushing that? I think that's a, a Fred Kendall and Terry Andrews discussion. Ooh, okay. so we're, we're taking it to the next level. <laughs> yes. So, I think and he I asked this question tomorrow. Yes. So um, I got to write that down. Because Mart, so Martinsville has left. Or a couple teams have left, I guess, because we're uh, got Unity over here too. So definitely Martinsville and um, um, whoever I just said. Um, Edwards County is no longer in this. So some big, some big changes here. So, but Providence, I think this might be their last year here. They um, come over here. So Red Hill does get a win over Providence 58, 51. Now I'm sure Providence was thinking also that this might be a chance. They probably saw the, they knew what, you know, Red Hill had struggled the year before. So it may have been good for both teams. You know, that's right. kind of how you sell it to Providence too, is, you know, we might you get Red you. Hill who went, might get you a win here. Yeah, we, we might be able to get you a win by putting you in the in the on the Bridgeport side, which I mean they really have no say over what side they go in. So it's not like they could had any. I mean we're paying them quite a bit to come here, so don't really have any room to complain. But so we like I said we did win fifty eight fifty one. Let's get some information on that game here. Um, oh, I get this thing popping up on my screen. So, All right. uh, so just just for reference, it's 107 miles um, from Providence, Kentucky to Bridgeport, Illinois, which would pay them $214. So $428 in mileage, Providence. Yeah, game. plus hotel rooms for a couple nights. And yeah. so probably good. three nights of hotel rooms. Pretty good um, gig if you can get it, really. Yeah. Um, so we... Um, we shot free throws well for the first time, went eight for 10 from the line. Um, Jamie Stevens uh, went four for four. And so some positives, and then uh, brother of Bobby, um, positive things in this game from coming from Coach Kendall was that um, the right people got to the line. We got Jared Bryan and Jamie Stevens to the line. And our players recognized the mismatch against Steve Wilson last quarter. And he got us a couple baskets. So freshman Steve Wilson uh, really helped lead us to that victory. Um, it does say Providence moves to one and four on the season, so they must have got a win. Snuck a win in there uh, before, somewhere before they came before they came down to <laughs> uh, or came up to Bridgeport. Um, we actually have some quotes here from the Providence head coach. Uh, Red Hill did a good job defensively. Jed Wilson's a scrappy defender. He threw our offense completely out of whack. I'd like to take him back to Kentucky. I mean, so what a compliment that is for Jed Wilson that Providence wants to take him there and add him to their roster. Yeah. Um, and he just says Providence missed too many free throws and um, we like, gave Red Hill too many too many second shots. It's like in that first game, Providence beat Blackford 41-39 at the buzzer. That's before the tournament. Okay. Snuck that in there. 
How'd you get that information? I, I made that up. <laughs> I'm still looking at the Kentucky map and Blackford's say, right you know, next. You, you were quick on that. Blackford's right next to Providence, so I'm guessing that's <laughs> All right, so the, so we won that game. Let's go through the, the box score there. Jared Bryan led us with 14 points. Jeremy Marinholtz, 12. Jed Wilson, 9 points going with that um, stellar defensive effort. Ryan Walder, a solid 8 points. Uh, Steve Wilson, seven points, three or four from the field, and a difference maker in the game. Of course, Jamie Stevens off the bench with seven, and Brandon Tully uh, with a bucket. Billy Gray, Aaron Burchett, and Matt Ambrose played but did not score. Um, so now Red Hill goes one and two at the site. Uh, at in some years that can qualify you to get to the the third place game if it comes down to free throw percentage and a lot of teams went one and two, but not this season. This is going to be the end of the run at that Capital Classic. Um, at this at this year's Capital Classic, but um, so at, at some point we'll get into the ninety four ninety five school year. But as I said, they went three and twenty three on the season, zero and fourteen the NEC. But um, you got a couple sectional championship teams coming with some of these kids that are freshmen and sophomores on these on this team are going to be playing for sectional titles in the next two or three years. So better days ahead, better Capital Classics ahead. And I know some of my music I had. I know um, throughout that entire autumn of uh, nineteen ninety. Four um, boys to men with one of their biggest. They had so many huge hits back in the nineties, but um, topping the charts that week was "I'll Make Love You" by Boys to Men. I went a little later in the song there, so get that. Yeah, that, that's you picked an excellent part to start with. Get the overlay of his voice on top. Yeah. And and I didn't do a lot of that. See, we always go to the Billboard charts for our music, and by nineteen, yeah. by mid nineties, the Billboard charts. Thanks for getting changed. rough. Yeah. It wasn't. The, I mean, there was lots of good music, but the good music wasn't like when you think of Smashing Pumpkins and Weezer and Alice in Chains and all that music that was out. It wasn't on the Billboard Hot 100, so I didn't go searching enough for songs. I do know one song I saw that was doing well in the rock charts at that time. It does remind me of up at EIU in the autumn of 94 um, from one of my all-time favorite bands. And at one time was my all-time favorite song by this band um, until I got more into their music. And um, now on their Blue album, it's probably one of them. It's not one of my favorites. So yeah. I love it still, but there's so many better songs in this. But we're talking about Weezer here and, and the whole Blue album. Every song on it is excellent. And um, but their song that really launched them into uh, um, video on MTV that got them known nationwide was the sweater song, which it undone the sweater song. Chip very big on songs with parentheses. Yeah. Uh, and, and don't get me wrong. This is an amazing song. So if I'm saying this is like the seventh best song on the album, that says a lot about the rest I of I absolutely love this song. Hold this as I I was gonna say that I think that's shake. I don't know. There's, but yeah, it's um, another one. This was I couldn't find any. I found a chart. I found that this was the number one song on the modern rock chart. That's all I could get was the number one. You had to pay on Billboard, um, like 150 bucks or something for a yearly subscription to uh, get their modern rock chart. So I didn't go that far into it, but I was able on Wikipedia able to find the number one modern rock song and. And I think when people think of modern rock in 1994, this is immediately a song they're going to think of. So I had to add this and it reminds me nothing of the Capitol classic, but I'm sure I heard it around that time is 
the cranberries and zombie. One of the iconic songs of the 90s, in my opinion, and it holds up today. Just the thickness of that guitar. Get a little bit of Dolores' voice here before we let this one go. What? God, that's a good song. So, and a lot of if you if you search 1994, a lot of people consider it the greatest year for music and movies as well. Um, so it was a great year for music, but the Billboard chart was so I mean, it's still messed up today. It's messed up in like November of 91 and hasn't and they say it's more accurate now, but it certainly isn't as interesting yeah. to study any as um as it was before 1991. So, um, and then, yeah, I think that's, I'm going to wrap up my music with that one. And um, that's really, I think, all I have on the Capitol Classic. Let me look at some notes here. Yeah. Oh, let me just go through the, I, I haven't gone through the um, all-tournament team. So let me just quickly go through that and then we'll wrap this this pod up. So the all-tournament team in 1994, um, Red Hill did not, uh, place anyone. I thought Waldrop might be able to make it with that big performance he had against Unity. Yeah, I no thought kidding. he might be able to make it, but um, no. Uh, so, of course, Brian Cardinal was looks like the side MVP. And uh, Bobby, McEl- Mc- Bobby McElroy um, or McElroy, he um, from Providence, congratulations to him for making the uh, all-tournament team. Good job. And it was a great championship game that night. It was or that Saturday night. It was over at Lawrenceville. It was Lawrenceville and um, in, in unity. And it was one of those games that kind of remind me of 91 where uh, you had Tad Ackerman with all the hype coming in and red. Hill, he was just exhausted and couldn't get anything done. It was that same way. Lawrenceville just drilled unity in the championship game. Lawrenceville had you know, an awesome team that year. And, um, and Matt Moorhead just completely outshined Brian Cardinal. I mean, there was no oh, yeah. doubt who the best player on the floor. I mean, Matt Moorhead just dominated. Cardinal was tired after the, you know, by that fourth game, someday it's just who has, uh, more left yeah. in their legs for that fourth game, and was Lawrenceville Matt, was definitely was team. Matt Moorhead the moose on the loose. Yeah, he was moose. Yeah, he's moose. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, he was a junior that year, had an incredible, and then would go on and um, um, actually, it looks like the next year didn't even make the. I don't know. I don't <laughs> know if he was hurt or what? Did he make the all tournament team his senior <laughs> year, which surprises me. Um, so yeah, that's interesting. That up, but yeah, and his brother in nineteen ninety two was the uh, he ninety two and ninety three made the. Uh, Lawrence will say so the Moorheads had a several years of dominance at the Capitol Classic, for, but we don't, but we'll, we're not getting much into the Lawrenceville site. Tonight. I honestly might put out a companion podcast with this of Capitol Classic music and just use the music that play the whole songs. Um, yeah, it's ew, um, what a great bunch of basketball and a great bunch of music for sure. All right. Hey, that was a good episode. Lots of, lots of good stuff to talk about um, in the Capitol Classic, especially in those first, first three years when Red Hill just absolutely dominated the show. Um, and let's go to the segment that people um, always comment and love. What did we talk about? We talked about going to the record seller between games. Yes. <laughs> I remember that. Um, we talked about Dennis Campbell. I have to mention that one more time. Big controversy in the band Alias. 
Crystal Philpot. Gary liked it when the banners were being hung in the gym. Bobby Stevens's mom's appeals. Gladys. Thanks, the Wisconsin, Gladys. Or the, the Stevens is used to live in Wisconsin. Hey, can I mention something that we didn't mention that yeah. I meant to? Sure. I played in that capital, that first Capital Classic on about three hours of sleep because that's the night Brian <laughs> and I made the first ever Red Hill football, football video. Right. And then scored, what, 18 on that Friday night on that's your right. second game? Yeah. So. Kelly um, Tucker on Saturday morning pours in seven. Bill Bertram. Yes, he got a lot of mentions tonight. The King Cotton Classic. David King Farming. Brian Cardinal, not recruited by Lou Henson in the alliance. Yes. Roger Cool. Yes. Uh, Elks. Talked about Weezer, for sure. The Evans is hosting the Marshall Lions. I have a feeling there were some hungover coaches on those Saturday mornings after that Friday night party. Oh, yeah, I would have to think so. (laughs) Fred Kendall hates zone defenses. Martinsville loves the 1-3-1. More Fred Kendall quotes in this episode than you've ever had in any other episode. Providence might, might have beaten Blackford, Kentucky before they came to the Classic. <laughs> All right, I'm sure we talked about other things, but we appreciate you listening to the Old School Red Hill Podcast. A lot of fun talking about the Capital Classic. Stay tuned next time, of course. We're going to talk about the post-Thanksgiving tournament. That'll be Thanksgiving week. Thank you to our sponsors, Gray's Restaurant, People State Bank, The Pizza House, and Andrew's Insurance Agency. You've listened to the Old School Red Hill Podcast. Let's go white.